Welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Ward 2 City Councilor Rodrigo Goller and Ward 6 City Councilor Dominique O'Rourke. It was almost exactly four years ago that both O'Rourke and Goller were elected to City Council, and while every term brings its own unique challenges, it's safe to say that no two rookie councilors have seen challenges quite as unique as they have in the last two and a half years alone. As we head into the summer break for city council and as we head toward the final month of nominations to run in the October 24th municipal election, the timing was right to sit down with Guelph's newest city councillors to talk about their experiences, their expectations, and where they hope to go next with their political careers. Lessons learned is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. The strategic plan, the community plan, COVID-19, homelessness, mental health and addiction, the South End Community Centre the Baker Street redevelopment, the new main library, multi-year budgeting, the ward boundary and council composition review, the comprehensive zoning bylaw review, the official plan review, the Claire Mulby secondary plan. Those are just a handful of the initiatives tackled by city council in the last term, and none of those are small potatoes. Even without COVID and the issues created by COVID, this was going to be a highly consequential four years on council. When you look at what's been accomplished, it's no wonder that so many long-serving members of council have decided to tap out, but there were two members of council for whom this was essentially a baptism by fire. Councillors Guller and O'Rourke were both first elected in 2018, and they both succeeded long-serving councillors who were, let's admit it, kind of on the old side. O'Rourke and Guller were more internet-savvy, still career-focused, active in the community, and they had young families. In fact, Guller's partner gave birth to their son just a few weeks after the 2018 election. The two of them brought a new perspective to council, or perhaps a more balanced perspective given their age and status, and they both arrived with an idea to shake things up. Guller wanted to be a highly reactive councillor to community concerns, and O'Rourke wanted to make city council more focused and organized. So now, looking at their first term from the opposite end, they will be asked to analyze the work that they did, the work they wanted to do, and where they want to go next. Guller and O'Rourke join us on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast to talk about the last four years, if the experience was everything they hoped it would be, and how they feel the pandemic tested their leadership skills. We will also talk about the role of social media in their politics and the things that they wish they knew about city council before they ran for office in 2018. We will also ask Goller about his community engagement efforts and how his game has had to change now that he's running in the new Ward 2. And we will ask O'Rourke about how politics has changed some of her assumptions about corporate communications and whether Guelph's South End is now better represented than it was when she first ran in 2018. So I caught up with Dominique O'Rourke and Rodrigo Goller last week via Zoom. Okay, so I am now being joined by Dominique O'Rourke. Hello, Dominique. Hi. And I'm also being joined by Rodrigo Goller. Hello, Rodrigo. Hello, Adam. So I, I've kind of, uh, this may be a, a temporary title, but it will more than likely end up being the actual title of the podcast rookies no more because you're at the end of your first term but um to to start off with i was thinking and since rodrigo you're kind of up on the main screen here um what did you like is is council everything you thought it was going to be like did the experience match the expectations now that you've gotten a full term almost a full term under your belt everything and more 
Um, I, I've really enjoyed um, my first term as a, as a counselor, um, advocating for my constituents, getting to know the community um, quite, quite well. Um, but at the same time, I think I did not realize largely um, how constrained we are by provincial legislation and mandate. And I think that has been uh, my biggest shock, just that how small our sandbox actually is when it comes down to it and what we can and cannot do. Uh, yeah, so I, I've really enjoyed it, but really uh, it, it, did, it, it did surprise me um, how, how small the powers of city councilors are. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dominique? I really enjoyed everything uh, pre and post COVID. Um, and I'll tell you why, because the piece that I really enjoy was being out meeting with people, visiting businesses, hearing from people directly. And so COVID was a challenge and I was really trying to not judge council and the role from that COVID lens. Um, and at the same time, you know, you get a letter from a constituent who's super happy, he's, you know, an 11 year old who sends you a card because he's happy about the new crosswalk. That's pretty great. Um, so it has been a fantastic learning experience to see that everything you thought was kind of easy to do or should be pretty simple to do. It actually has a lot of constraints and to see uh, the complexity of all of the issues and not just of, you know, the one issue, but then the complexity of all the issues laid together and the challenge of prioritizing that. So I like wicked problems um, and, and that's been fun and I love to learn stuff. Uh, I could have done without the COVID. <laughs> it's interesting you should say that because I've been I've been trying to ask different people in politics, you know, and, and this isn't by any means to say that COVID was a good thing, but, you know, people do enter politics to 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 be able to be a part of, and, and to be able to answer challenging times. And there's like been probably no other really challenging time as the last couple of years. But, you know, Dominique, since you, again, you're uh, the person on my screen at the moment, you know, given what you've said, like, you know, the COVID kind of sounds like it threw you off the game a little, um, not to say that local politics is a game of course but you know it, it has like the pandemic like really kind of shifted that much you know I, I guess do you feel like you were able to rise to that challenge given some of the expectations you're talking about well first of all I'd give most of the credit if not all the credit to staff to our medical officer of health to the people who were doing the heavy lifting in the community council delegated authority on a lot of things. So there would be flexibility in COVID. So council was receiving reports. We could ask questions. We could see if there were gaps and sort of direct supports there. Um, my point about COVID is that the volume of work you do for council is significant. So you mm -hmm. receive, you know, a heavy agenda, you read it, you've got time, a little bit of time to ask questions, consult, and then decide or see if you can nibble around the edges of the policy, right? That's hard work. It's hard work to have competing policy priorities. And what for me balanced out that really hard work was the, was the pleasant, you know, community right. stuff. So it, through COVID, the work was, of course we rose to the challenge, but the work itself was a lot lonelier right. because you have Zoom, which is a quite transactional, and, you know, you're in your basement till late at night <laughs> doing the budget and, and council and that kind of stuff. Um, so the COVID piece for me was about the relationship piece that um, that was harder. But do I think the city and council rose to the occasion? Absolutely. Rodrigo, any anything to add there? No, I think uh, 
Dominique, you, you, you said it quite, quite uh, eloquently that the, the most entertaining part of, of the work, which is talking to, to our neighbors, uh, having those coffee chat conversations. I really miss that as well. Um, and, um, and I am, I am glad that I'm getting back into it now, now that I've, I've started actually knocking on doors and getting to have, you know, 20 minutes, half hour conversations with neighbors. Uh, it really reminded me that that's an aspect of the job that I was really missing for, for two years. And Rodrigo, I'm going to direct this one to you because uh, one of the things you came out of the last election was talking about having like sort of that regular engagement and having those regular touch points. I think you proposed like having monthly kind of council town hall with with you. Um, that really went away, obviously, during COVID as we, as we were talking about. But were you able to do, I mean, given the limitations, were you, were you able to be as on top of the community or be as interactive with the community as you hoped uh n- not not as much as i hope but but what i what i've learned um go- going through through the pandemic and having to end those you know we were doing bi-monthly town halls uh with with james here in war two um and i i was getting you know uh, an average of like 20 to 30 people coming out to those it was excellent opportunities to to communicate with them once we got online and we started having issue specific conversations we found that those were um they get a, yielded better results in terms of stakeholder engagement community engagement so for example we had one town hall with uh, chief kobe talking about crime and, and safety in our community uh, and we had over 100 uh, folks join in on that conversation we had another town hall to talk about the budget also you know we had over 60 uh, people and when were to join that conversation. So the the number of people that we were able to connect with, um, although as as Dominique mentioned, it is more of a, a transactional rather than a relationship building opportunity. Um, they were quite well. Something that I have been doing is uh, monthly email updates, and mm-hmm. that is more of a one on one. But I find that I'm actually. Uh, on a regular basis, I get a couple dozen people that reply to me with specific concerns about this issue or that issue. And my the, the people that have signed up for those, it's only in the around 520, 540 uh, were two constituents that are registered to my newsletters. And I have quite a, a good number of conversations coming out of those. So my focus for, for the next term, if reelected, is to expand the base of people that can tap into those because I feel that the value of the conversations are quite good and I'm able to understand where people are coming from. And and I do want to start having those those coffee conversations and, and visits to people's homes. So whereas for, for the pandemic, I would get a call, I would say, okay, you know, we would talk over the phone. Over the last few weeks, I said, can I come over to your house? Can I can can we have a front yard conversation for twenty minutes? I that's the shift that I'm doing. But in terms of of my goal of having regular touch points with the community, I've realized that I'm able to get much more information uh, and much better quality of information through my monthly updates and the conversations that come out of that. And Dominique, you're a communications professional. And uh, like Rodrigo, you and, and Mark put out a, a, a Ward 6 newsletter. Um, has your sort of, I, I guess, your, your, your training and expertise in the realm of communications, have, have those been tested by, by being a public official? Uh, you know, how is the, the world of being a, a public communicator different than being a, a corporate communicator, I guess? 
Well, I think the, the challenges are the same. Um, I would say, so first of all, I have a separate newsletter than Councillor McKinnon. So we have two okay. monthly. Um, and that was one of my, my election promises, actually, that there hadn't been a whole lot of communication in this ward uh, prior to this term of council. Councillor McKinnon has been pretty good, was on social, but beyond that, there really wasn't a whole lot. And I, I also, mine goes out to just over 700 people. And every time people write back and they say, thanks so much for keeping us informed. And I tell them sort of where I'm leaning on issues um, and, and invite them always to delegate or to, to get back to me with uh, with information. And they'll, you know, they'll email back and say, I, I disagree with you on that. Can we talk about this? They can suggest content. So I really like that. And they feel more informed. Something you hear at the door all the time is people say, I just don't see where my taxes are going. Mm. So through the newsletter, you can say, hey, there's more multi-use paths or it's going to this or, you know, we've just redone when you drive past a redone pumping station, right? Mm. So that the water in your home is clear. You don't know what's behind that wall. It seems kind of banal, but I like to really tell those stories. So the corporate storytelling, I come by that naturally. Um, And that forces me also to be looking at the month ahead because I want to give them a heads up on anything that might be of interest. So um, what is challenging though, is to maintain, I was originally just on uh, Twitter and Facebook. um, And then, you know, people want to be on Instagram and then people want you to join, I think it's called neighbor or neighborhood or something, Mm. but you can't, you cannot possibly be in all those social media areas. You can't possibly answer everything you're tagged in because there'd be literally no time. And rumor (laughs) has it, we're supposed to be part-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I track mm-hmm. my time. I know I'm at least 75% time. And if I wanted to, you know, or could join AMO or FCM or, or do, you know, proactive policy stuff, we'd definitely be at full time. So it's a balance. How much time are you going to spend uh, in the, in the communications? And the other piece that is becoming more complex, but, you know, deservedly so is we're now tagging our photos with, uh, with alt tags. If you're putting out a video, we're trying to put captions on those. And um, it's important. It's al- it also makes the communication piece more time consuming. Mm-hmm. So don't expect the Ward 6 Discord server anytime soon, I guess is the message. Um. You know what? If somebody, if somebody wants to sit me down and show me how that would be helpful or beneficial to folks in Ward 6, I'd look at that, right? Fair if somebody enough. said you would add so much value if you were on TikTok, then I would look at that. Mm-hmm. So. tell me about discord sometime and I will consider it. (laughs) Well, no, it just, it makes me realize too, that um, the two of you ended up succeeding, trying not to sound ageist, but, you know, senior members of our community who perhaps are not internet savvy. They didn't, um, you know, come of age when computers and technology and internet were more, you know, relevant in our lives. So, I mean, that's been a definite change is that, um, the two seats you occupy are now represented by people who know what it's like to be more online. We have an opportunity to be in people's pockets, right. you know, we're just checking quickly. And, uh, and I think we want to seize that opportunity. People want to be informed and they want to participate and they care about the community, but we are competing with, you know, their time with hockey practice and groceries and jobs and taking care of a parent. So, uh, so if I can make it easy on people to give them a little hit of information once a month, I'm happy to do that. Rodrigo, have you have people commented to you that you've noticed a change? Um, 
Yes, yes. I, I think I've heard a lot of people who are grateful for the, the greater uh, transparency as to what is happening in, in, in City Hall because of the communication that, uh, that I'm putting out. And, and I see you doing the same, Dominique, that you're putting out um, through your newsletters and on social media. Um, but I think it, it goes back to, to the two parts of our, our, our work. One is to consider the reports, um, read through them, consider the, the um, delegations and the uh, emails that are sent to, to council in advance of council meetings. Uh, and then there is the, the active advocacy and problem resolution for constituents that are not getting the quality of service that they expect from the city, that they're having a challenge finding out. And, um, and I think that the, because we, I am more available through, through social media, through, through my regular newsletters, I hear more of those concerns. And it, sometimes it does make it difficult to have enough time to get through the agenda and the reports uh, and digging into those to be able to make good decisions uh, on behalf of the community. So th that balance of time of how do we keep this uh, as you know not not a full-time plus job right. um, so it, it is one of the challenges um, that that we have to work through um, given the composition of council and and you know the, the thankfully now we have removed the the title of, of part-time so I am hopeful that the next round of councillors uh, candidates are a little bit more aware of how mm. how heavy it can be mm -hmm. um, but yeah that's that's something um, we're working through. Dominique, I'm going to go back to you for a sec, because if I remember correctly, and by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, um, one of the things you were running on was the need for sort of long-term strategizing, coming up with those sort of like corporate-wide goals and strategic plan and KPIs and things. That's always difficult to manage sort of in any position, sort of how you deal with the day-to-day -day stuff versus the long-term stuff. And I wonder how you feel now looking back over the last four years where the city has set a strategic plan. The city has established KPIs. Um, but is, I, I guess, how much of your time feels like you can concentrate on sort of that long-term strategizing versus like, you know, we, we saw that at committee this week where the mayor brings forward these emergency motions around homelessness and, and addiction issues downtown. That, that's not in the long-term plan. <laughs> Well, it is in the strat plan. Right. Uh, there's a mention of both the downtown and mental health. There is a tool in the strat plan that allows us to do advocacy without taking over a sphere that's not ours. The impacts are ours, mm -hmm. but you know we absolutely can't get into the provision of social services or of mental health funding. Frankly, that's that's the province. So I am very happy. And I think, so nobody talks about governance at the door, but I came from yeah. a background, right? Um, and I was stunned when I ran that there were all these master plans, but no strategy. They weren't all feeding into the same strategy. So then how do you know if they're aligned? So I'm very happy that we have a strap plan. I think it's too broad. Mm. And you'll, you'll often heard me say at council, hey, hang on, that first meeting, we had four. And then suddenly, you know, we had to add all this stuff. If you're not the priority in the scrap plan, it doesn't mean you won't get done. But it is saying we got to focus on this. We have made huge progress on KPIs, which were not in place before. And we also had the um, service review done by mm -hmm. KPMG. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once those are operationalized in a more robust way, from that perspective, council should be able to sit back and use those as a dashboard to say, you know what, we're doing really well on 
this area, this area, right? And so we really need to focus over here. And that was the crux of what Brent Tadarian said. He said, you got to really focus and get some things done. And we're very bad at prioritizing. So I think on the strategy part, we came up with this trap plan, which is good in and of itself and got totally sideswiped by COVID. Right. Right. Uh, we came up with the KPIs that are being operationalized. And that is a larger sort of cultural, corporate cultural issue than I had anticipated. Mm. And we have the service review, uh, which is going to look at enterprise-wide risk management, that kind of stuff. That's not popular at the door. It is super important in the management of a half billion dollar operating budget. So right. there's good progress made there. Is it sexy? Not really. I'm still going to keep talking about it. <laughs> well, it's to, to address something you said earlier, it's, it's not something people see. People have to see something in order to believe it's happening. Um, if, you know, if, if we're talking about something, creating a, a strategy of corporate direction, um, that's one of those sort of like invisible forces like, like gravity that people don't see. But as a, as a board of governors, and we have all these functions, right? right. We're a board. We are representatives of people. We right. are also communicators. Like we have all these different functions, yeah. but for our governance role, we need the KPIs. Right. Because we're going to get to a point, for example, I'm throwing out an example mm -hmm. on 100% RE. Mm -hmm. If we are at 98% RE and staff come back and they say it's going to cost $10 billion to do the next 2%, council may want to say, we're good at 98. We've come all <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well, we need the data to have that conversation. Yeah. And Rodrigo, to look at the opposite side of things, and you've, you've been very much on top of, of sort of like bringing community concerns directly into the council chambers. Um, it, how hard is it to sort of have those conversations where people are like, I'm concerned about issue X and you have to explain, well, issue X is provincially mandated. So I, I don't have that much movement on that. It's or it's not in the strategic plan or, you know, how hard is it to balance those sort of corporate the corporate -y things with the, yeah. the like community members who want sort of immediate action. Yeah, no, it, it, it is challenging and, and it is actually easier when it's not within our, our, our wheelhouse of influence. You know, so when someone tells me that um, they're concerned about the, the air quality or the, the, the smells coming from, from a certain place, I say, well, actually that's the ministry of environment conservation and parks, and you should really connect with them and, and provide those resources where it is more challenging as where someone wants to change a, a city policy, but we have a full workload for staff and any change that we bring that is not in the work plan either has to push other things back uh, or we have to allocate extra resources and that is where it gets really challenging so i mean r recently i've been uh, speaking with a few constituents who are con um, concerned about the way that we currently allow for gardens on boulevards we have restrictions mm. like you cannot put a planter box they would like to make that easier because uh, as it is with our encroachment bylaw, you have to um, pay an application fee that's 150, 180 bucks, and then you have to pay an additional fee of five, six hundred bucks to actually have planter boxes. You know, it's so, something like that that could potentially have a, a fairly good positive impact on our community. But if I ask Byla to review this encroachment Byla, it's going to to go into a long queue, it may not get looked at for the next four or five years, 
or it's going to bump something else. And then we, I have to work to convince uh, you know, at least six other council members that this is something we should spend their time and energy on, mm-hmm. or I could really focus on other things that might actually push that ne- uh, needle f- forward in terms of what we're doing for, for climate change um, and, and greenhouse gas reductions. So that is one of the, the challenges. There are lots of good ideas, but we really have to pick a couple. And, and it is hard to tell those constituents, I would love to work on this, but but first I need you to get together with uh, several more community members, have a conversation about it, maybe get some news articles talking about it, get the media talking about it, and then come to council as a large group. And then that's how we can make progress. Because as a councillor, I actually have very little influence over my other councillors. But as constituents, they have much more ability to influence their council, their work councillors and other councillors as well. Uh, so, so it is it is a challenge. Um, and I am, you know, on several occasions, I've sort of worked with my constituents to help them strategize. How do we make this an issue? How do we bring this forward? And I think most people understand that. You know, you to make a, a change at City Hall, you do need to have a certain critical mass of the community that wants it. Mm-hmm. For example, when I moved the notice of motion to review our overwinter on street parking restrictions, it is something that I had heard knocking on the door from several dozen community members across War Two who had issues because of the way that we're now limiting on street parking on neighborhoods where they they moved in. They thought that they would have on-street parking on both sides. Um, and, and we have more multi-generational families with fewer spaces. So winter is a challenge for several parts of, of my ward uh, in terms right. of w- where to park. So that is something that I was really hoping that we can explore. Like Waterloo Region, they have a, a, a notice system where you only have to move your vehicle um, on, on snow events. But when it came time to actually bring that forward to council, I was not able to get enough other council members on board to have staff look at it. So it's something that's important to my constituents, but there needs to be that grassroots support from the ground up before we can, um, we, we can spend council time on it. And I think it's maybe also important sometimes that the community sees you trying. If you try and it doesn't happen, it, that's one thing. But yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And and I think there is a lot of um, jadedness and and, mm. and people, you know, who may have brought something forward. They, the you know, a counselor was not interested or did not reply to them uh, with what they wanted to hear, and then they they lose faith uh, on the on the city. So I think it's really important to explain, you know, why we can or cannot do things, what the challenges are. And, uh, and whenever possible, I, I do advocate on behalf of my constituents uh, when I, you know, understand the issues and I'm supportive of them. Community organizing might be another role um, to add to the, <laughs> to the job description Dominique was mentioning. So I'll go back to you, Dominique. Um, kind of a more general question, but, you know, this may help people thinking about running for council, not necessarily for your seats, but others. It's a democracy. It's, it's a, a democracy. democracy. I'm just, they I'm just... Run. I mean, really, it's a democracy. <laughs> they can run for whatever seat they want. I'm just having some fun. But um, it, in terms of like, you know, looking back and, and, you know, if there was one piece of advice or one thing they, you know, you could have been made aware of while you were running 
um, in terms of what the job was going to be like. Um, I mean, what kind of advice do you wish you had gotten? And maybe what kind of advice do you, would you give somebody now? Um, so the best advice I got before I ran someone who was presenting actually at city council in one of those counselor. And so you're going to run kind of sessions. <laughs> the person said, you have to really like reading and it's true. <laughs> There's a lot of reading. So you have to be really willing to dig in to read not only the staff reports, but I do a lot on the development applications to go in and dig through those. And, you know, thank you to all those delegates who come to council. It's not easy when you're a new counselor to be digging through that. They see that sign go up. They start digging in, you know, up to their elbows on zoning and parking bylaws and all this stuff. And that's democracy. And people shouldn't be discouraged because often it works. Mm -hmm. Right. You might not get everything that you wanted, but it was important for you to say it. It's important for staff to hear it. You might get some, you know, changes in terms of height or in terms of uh, parking spaces or more green spaces or those kinds of things. We have to participate, keep participating in democracy. So first you have to read. The second thing was it was a bit astounding. So on election day, 4,000 people leave their homes and their routines and they go and they vote for you. And they think, yes, she'll do a great job. And the next day, people hate your guts. You know, know, how could you? And I mean, that the whiplash from that was, uh, was a little bit much. So you have to, um, you know, rely on your, your principles, and keep listening to people. So sometimes, Sometimes people are angry when they reach out to us. Mm. It doesn't mean they're wrong, right? Mm. They're upset about something and I want to hear them out and I want to try and help them. And I will hear anybody out. Um, So I would say that as well. I am way tougher now. So if somebody's thinking of running for council, uh, you'll be way tougher after four years. Um, And somebody said to me, oh, you must have a really thick skin. But I heard Bob Ray say once, uh, thin skin, strong core. Mm. so remember what you're there for and that's hard sometimes so I'm often thinking about people who are just on the cusp of poverty right Right. or people who are just on the cusp of not making their mortgage they're on a fixed income maybe they're in a big house that they bought in the 60s but they sure as heck don't have more income I'm often thinking of them and unfortunately sometimes the narrative is at council is well how could you not support this right don't you care about enter cause of the day, right? And they're all important. I'd say the biggest challenge if you're thinking of running for council is the delegates come and advocate for what they want and that's their job. But our job is to balance it out and prioritize it. That's a hard job. So when I think about, you know, pensioners or uh, single parent homes or multi-generational homes, that kind of stuff, you remember, I remember who I'm working for, who I'm, I'm representing and try and balance all those good things um, so yeah, it's, it's a tough gig, but it's fascinating. Yeah. And I think we have a really important role in shaping the future of the city. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Um, we, we all kind of think it's an easy choice to press yes or press no, but I mean, it's an entirely different matter when your, your finger is on the button. Rodrigo, I know we've talked before about tackling angry angry constituents and i know that's something you've had some experience with uh, some very specific examples we could cite but i mean uh aside from that what 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 do you what kind of advice do you wish you got before running 
I think that before running, I, I wish that someone would have told me to 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 never nev- never promise anything because <laughs> I often have the intention and I and I lead a reader report and I speak to a few constituents and I'm like, okay, this is this is how I'm gonna go. I I support this or I don't support this, and then we enter a closed meeting and the lawyer comes down and he reads a long list of, of reasons why we cannot do or, or need to do something. And and the challenge is that because it's in a closed meeting, it's all confidential and either the, the city's reputation is at risk or some individual's reputation is at risk. And if we say something, the city will get sued. And, and we do not have the ability to come out and then tell our constituents, actually, I voted this way because of, of these things. Uh, th- those are the most challenging ones. When I, when I disappoint people, but I have a good reason that I can explain, you know, because it's all in the open, then I am okay with that. And I am okay with people who have been disappointed with me. I've had several people who are very disappointed because I supported the, uh, the, the library downtown and I, and I voted in favor of that. Uh, but I, I have a long list of reasons that I'm able to, to confidently say why I believe that it's important for us to move ahead with the Baker Street project and the library as an anchor point to that to to help the the downtown Guelph uh, really reach its full potential in the shortest time possible. But when the reasons are behind closed doors, I find that so frustrating. Um, And it is just, you know, I am a a representative of my constituents, but also I'm a board member for the corporation and I have to hold the best interests of the corporation, including not getting sued for for this or that. Uh, so that I find that very frustrating. And I wish that I would have been given a, a little more notice of um, of how challenging that is. Is that what happens in closed session? A lawyer comes in and reads the reasons not to do thing off a big scroll? Is, is- Sometimes. It, 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 it's, it's not every, every closed session, uh, but every once in a while, big, we get a big wise eyed open. This is what you're <laughs> stepping into. And, and a lot of the things that we're told, we cannot share back in, in public. And, and I find that very frustrating. But, you know, as Dominique said, it is a very large corporation with a lot of money on play. So we have to make sure that we are not... Um, putting your taxpayer dollars at risk because we let something out that we shouldn't have. I, sh- I shouldn't flirt with what goes on in closed meetings. That's where I get into trouble. But I Dominique- can tell you there's, there's no scroll. Like <laughs> there's you said, no scroll. There's no scroll. So I can tell you that without breaching any sort of confidence, there's no actual scroll. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, since I was going to throw this one to you, Dominique, um, you have a big, area that you represent i think when you were running in 2018 you were hoping that some point in the last term it may have been made a little smaller that's i mean it it was literally made a little smaller perhaps not as um smaller as as you might have liked given the the ward boundary review process but um are, are you feeling that i mean after all this you you know you're representing the south end of the city um are you feeling like you maybe have a better understanding of the challenges of, of your particular area of the city in terms of getting being prop. I mean, there is cer- certainly what I'm trying to get at is that there are challenges sort of unique to your area. Thinking about the Gordon street intensification, uh, all those towers going up, um, getting more services, getting the South end rec center going. Um, are, are you feeling like there's been progress in getting that South end representation despite everything this year or this term? 
I do think there's been progress in improving South End rec- uh, representation. I preferred the the eight ward, one full time counselor model. Um, I think what we're seeing now is, you know, we've removed the part time full time label. And we're going to expect counselors to work full time at forty seven thousand dollars a year. I think that's going to be a challenge for people. So mm. full time, part time, notwithstanding the ward boundary review will provide better representation for people in Ward 6. A huge concern I had on the night of that decision was I wanted to make sure that that representation, because right now and for several years, folks in Ward 6 have been quite severely underrepresented. Mm-hmm. I think the word in the consultant's report was egregious. Mm-hmm. So, right. So you, everyone's sending their tax dollars in and they don't have equal representation at the horseshoe. We know that after three elections, folks in Ward 6 will be in the same boat again. I was very disappointed that we had to discuss for over an hour whether we really believe in representation by population Mm. and whether we could ensure that folks in Ward 6 had equal representation Mm -hmm. and that we would run the numbers again after the second election. And, And that is a concern for me. Because I still hear people say, oh, I never go to that part of town. I still hear people say, well, that's not really Guelph, right? And we need to fight that hard. I really wanted in Claremont the secondary plan, something that would attract people to the south end. We are a city that is 15 kilometers long. And Mm -hmm. we got to figure this out. We got to celebrate all the parts of the city and embrace all of the talent that's here. Uh, so I, I really don't like this pitting of wards against one another. Uh, I go to Riverside Park and I go to downtown and I go to the university and I trek my kids for, you know, almost for 18 years to the West End Rec Center. And I want I want us to value all the wards. Right. Uh, some of the challenges in terms of density, parking, et cetera. Uh, folks in Ward 1 also have folks in Ward 4 also have. I think we need to come together on some of that. Right. The South End Rec Center, we're so close. It's it's still alive. And in <laughs> fact, staff have proposed a new approach. But I think it was easy for previous councils to kick it down, you know, kick the can down the road because their constituents weren't screaming for it. But back to, you know, Councillor Goller's point, you advocate for your people, but you're also uh, a, a counselor for the entire city. And so it's important to set those priorities for the entire city. Yeah. Uh, so I think, um, I hope people will come and, and see Ward 6. Uh, Pre-COVID, I had met with a number of counselors to have them visit other wards and invited them to visit mine so they can see what, what some of the concerns are. We we need to embrace the whole city, 100%. Yeah. That's I'm no I'm I'm glad you said that because you know it's been occurring to me lately there are places of wealth that I go to quite often and then there are places I I don't go to as as often and it's it is all one city and that's that's very and it's true. okay that's okay because yeah. we talk about fifteen minutes city there are places you are more familiar with or yeah. more apt to go yeah. my concern is when we start to disparage parts of the city right 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 and right. the people who live there yeah that's unacceptable. Rodrigo, I wanted to ask you about changing wards because you, Ward Two has probably changed. Wards One and Two have probably changed the most in in in, in the process. Um, so I guess you know, how did that factor into your decision to run? Where you decided to run? Um, you know, 
are you feeling like maybe this is like running for the first time again because it's a kind of a whole new board uh y- yes yes I, I i am quite excited about the change actually uh because i oh, as i've known more about my word it, there are two components there's a the newer part of word two which is sort of on the other side of victoria and uh sort of um on the on the north side of Woodland Road, newer builds, um, you know, a newer style homes, a newer community, and by by splitting Ward One and Ward Two on Victoria, now you have communities that are a little more cohesive in terms of the time that the, the homes were built, the sizes of the homes, the the style of the neighborhoods. So I think there's there's a little more parity now um, mm. in terms of of the issues that we're going to be working with. In terms of population, um, Ward Two has stayed about the same uh, at about 20,000 uh, constituents. But now that downtown is part of Ward Two, we are going to to be able to have some of that growth as the downtown uh, intensifies. Mm. Uh, I, I'm actually quite quite excited to um, be running in St. Patrick's Ward and St. George's Hill. Um, I, I've lived uh, on Elizabeth, my partner, she has lived on um, on Harris Street down in the ward. So it is uh, um, a, a part of the city that I really, really enjoy. So I've started by campaigning on those parts of the city uh, because it's the part that is completely new to me. So I'm introducing myself, uh, talking about the change of, of uh, ward boundaries and getting to know about the, the issues uh, for, for St. Patrick's Ward and St. George's Hill that I have not necessarily been in touch with as much because I have not been in, you know, speaking to those constituents. So, so it is exciting. It's like I am running all over again on, a, on my first term again for half of my ward. <laughs> right. That's cool. Um, maybe looking ahead, you know, we've talked about what you didn't know, what you wanted to do versus what actually happened, the, the challenges. So looking ahead, um, Rodrigo, you you can go first with this one. Um, what, like, I mean, what excites you about getting a, a second term? You know, what's kind of on your agenda, taking everything you've learned, going into a second term? What, what do you, like, what are you hoping for? What are you excited about? Yeah, I think this term we are, you know, coming through uh, a global pandemic um, and, and heading into a global recession. I think we have different challenges than, than we had uh, back in 2018. F- for me, it's it's going to be figure out how we address both uh, a climate crisis and um, um, a, uh, an economic crisis here in our community. We have many folks who are still suffering uh, because of COVID, because of lost income, because of the, the the recession that is happening and the inflation, we're seeing you know prices have you know sometimes doubled or more at the grocery store, uh, but our paychecks have not matched, and uh, and we approved, uh, I would say, an aggressive tax increase in the last budget. Uh, and I think we did that before seeing that we were heading into this economic slowdown. So I think that is something we need to address. And uh, as Brent Todarian said, you know, we, we are not in a position where we're necessarily going to be hitting the climate change goals as a community. So, mm-hmm. you know, as a corporation, we're well poised, but how does the city of Guelph support the wider community of Guelph to actually uh, lower our greenhouse gas emissions uh, without 
going crazy with, with property taxes because we cannot ask more from the taxpayer when they're already doing so much for, for, for the city. And we have, I would say, a fairly aggressive schedule to replace our infrastructure because we have this fantastic asset management plan that is making sure that we're replacing things at the most appropriate time, but the, it does cost money to make sure that we, we spend that money now. We don't have to pay double later, but it does not give us a lot of room. So, you know, in terms of building out our transit, public transit infrastructure or active transportation infrastructure, I would love to have those 10-year build-outs happening in the next couple of years, but we just don't have the money to, to spend all of that up front. So I think those are going to be the challenges, uh, addressing the, the situation with our community members who are experiencing homelessness, poverty, mental health addictions in our community, uh, while supporting um, our community through the change in, in greenhouse gas emissions and meeting those um, climate crisis goals that, that we need to work on uh, and a budget that's already fairly full uh, in terms of what we're asking constituents to pay. So th those are, I think, the challenges for this term. Dominique, are you also excited about crises like Rodrigo? <laughs> hey, well, first I wanna say, uh, the things I'm really looking forward to and then the challenges that I think we will have. Sure. I'm very much looking forward to the groundbreaking for the South End Community Centre. Mm -hmm. It will happen. We've been collecting development charges for it for almost 20 years and the need for recreation across the city. Because remember, I've been trekking my kids to West End for 18 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. and people in the West End, East End, downtown, they're going to be coming this way. We've closed facilities in anticipation of this. So I'm really sure. looking forward to the South End Rec Centre groundbreaking. I'm looking forward to the coming to fruition of a lot of the projects that we, we approved and passed. So, you know, we were asking about advice earlier. The advice is be patient. These things take a long time. So we haven't gone to, you know, ribbon cuttings or any of that stuff. So I want to see stuff happen and materialize now. In particular, I'm on the board of the Elliott as the mayor's designate there. We all, you know, sit on an agency board or commission. I can't wait to see more long-term beds in the city. I was a huge advocate for that, um, and I really want to see that. So I'm, that's the stuff I'm looking forward to. That's the stuff that kind of kept me around for another term, to be honest. <laughs> the challenge will be prioritization. Mm -hmm. I'm a person. I want to support things, and I voted against the budget, which isn't really in my nature. And I voted against the budget before uh, inflation. Right. And so our big challenge is going to be prioritizing and saying no, even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. And to say, we're going to roll out the PACE program, which is a you know, low or no interest uh, loan. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Low or no interest loan mm -hmm. for uh, greening your home to reduce your emissions. There's a lot of good stuff going on from a climate perspective. It's going to take a little time for that to, to really come to fruition. Um, so the biggest challenge for the next term of council is going to be prioritization. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty much the even-handed cold water conversation I wanted to have about what what being on count what council life is looking like. Uh, so yeah, I, I I could talk about like this stuff all day, obviously, and I know you guys can too. But uh, I will call time there. Um, and, and thank you for, for joining me today, Dominique O'Rourke and Rodrigo Goller. Uh, I appreciate it and uh, good luck in your re-election efforts.
Thanks, Adam. You're, you're a big part of communicating to the community and getting them involved as well. So I appreciate that. I'll, I'll cut that last part out because it's not about me, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, that was Dominique O'Rourke and Rodrigo Goller. They are both running for re-election, and you can see the complete list of candidates at vote.guelph.ca. You can get in touch with O'Rourke through her campaign email address at O'Rourke underscore Ward 6 at Rogers.com. That is O-R-O-U-R-K-E underscore Ward number 6 at Rogers. And you can find Goller's campaign website at GollerForWard2.ca. That is Goller number 4, Ward number 2.ca. You can also reach them through their social media channels at O'Rourke underscore Ward 6 and at Ward 2 Rodrigo, both on Twitter. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of this podcast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. Thank you.